Why is it the same repetitive mistakes continue to rob salespeople of more commission checks, regardless of industry, size of company, or region of the globe? These same inhibitors are holding us back from reaching our full potential. Amongst many industry awards, Ian Selby achieved the accolade of top salesperson in the world at Apple. And in this podcast, he will discuss the issues that sales professionals encounter from his own experiences, confessing to the problems he has endured and how he overcame them, giving the benefit of his wisdom to everyone listening who work in the world of sales. To help you, he will reveal strategies to overcome the issues hurting salespeople and helping you reach new levels of sales success. Confessions of a Sales Pro. Lessons, more wins. With your host, Ian Selby. Welcome to Confessions of a Sales Pro. I have a returning special guest today, Roy Ozing, author of the book, Be Different or Be Dead. Roy is also known as Mr. Audacious. Roy is a former president, CMO, and entrepreneur with over 40 years of success and unmatched executive leadership experience in every aspect of business. As president of a major data and internet company, his leadership and audacious, unheard of ways took the company from its early stage to over a billion dollars in annual revenues. He is a resolved blogger, keen content marketer, dedicated teacher and mentor to young professionals. As an accomplished business advisor, he is the author of the No Nonsense book series, Be Different or Be Dead. He is devoted to inspiring leaders, entrepreneurs, and organizations to stand apart from the average boring crowd and achieve their true potential. The focus of this week's discussion is audacious leadership. Mr. Audacious Roy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much, Ian, and thank you very much for having me back. I appreciate it. Well, we had such a good time last time, and we got some tremendous feedback from the listeners. Uh, it made total sense uh, to bring you back and dive deep into a, a, a pool of content and a focus that you now have with your business on audacious leadership. And, and so the, li- the listeners are probably already saying, so what is audacious? So I'd like to start with that, if we could, Roy. What is audacious leadership, and what do you mean by it? Okay, well, that's, that is a good place to start. And, and I think that for me, um, the words that best describe what I mean by audacious leadership are words like um, bold, courageous, fearless, unheard of, stand out, and unmatchable. These are words that typically you don't find as uh, descriptors of, of leaders, leaders anyways. And for me, they, they nicely capture my vision, at least, of what audacious leadership is all about. There's a couple of other aspects of this that that have really resonated with me as I've learned more about this and practiced more about it, is one one of my main guiding principles, Ian, is execution. Like, if you can't execute it, I don't even want to talk about it. And there's so many, uh, so much going on in, in business and organizations this day that are, that are associated with, with, with sort of what I would call academic principles rather than doing the stuff, uh, messy stuff often that appeals to people and actually gets stuff done. So in a way, I kind of look at audacious leadership as the inverse of the traditional approach to leaders. 
um, that is influenced by practice, not just theory, that, that is influenced by, by trying stuff all the time, constantly in a state of trying motion, and, and also doing stuff that, that is proven in the real world. Like my, my past is, is in a very unpredictable, political, uh, biased human kind of world where we had to find things that really worked. And sometimes um, the theory just didn't do it for us. We had to use whatever we could of that, but also move on to stuff that, that actually works. And it's not just the textbook leadership is wrong. It's just in my experience, it doesn't go far enough to create audacious leaders. So the fact that, that you're audacious in a leadership sense recognizes you actually get stuff done. It may not be elegant, but you're able to capture the hearts and minds of people and, and, and further the organization in a way that generally people can't do. And, and so you have to be fearless. You have to be courageous. You have to be unmatchable. You have to look for ways of stepping out, not stepping in. That's what audacious leadership is all about. That's a great, great overview for, for the, this, uh, this episode, Roy. It, it makes a lot of sense. It really resonates. It makes me think of a term I heard years ago called most businesses get FTI disease, failure to implement. It's one thing to have a great blueprint and a great plan, but getting it done is what it's all about. So I, I love that that captures some of the audacious flavors that, that we're going to explore uh, on this session. So, right, let me ask you, what drove you to become an audacious leader yourself? Well, first of all, I didn't, I didn't know it was audacious um, <laughs> until upon reflection, you know, I, I, I looked at what, what was going on. But it, the, the sort of track record in my career is that I, I, I recognized rel relatively early that, that the organization that I was a part of was doing fairly well. But what bothered me is that we were, we were practicing some pretty basic stuff. And, not, and again, there's nothing wrong with that if that's what you want to do. I was unsettled by it. It wasn't good enough for me. I, I was disturbed by the fact that we were pedantically driving out a certain level of performance and that there didn't seem to be a lot of juice in what we were doing. You know, it was pretty basic stuff. Didn't create a whole lot of excitement among the troops. Um, for example, you know, like everybody else, we did the SWOT analysis and strategic planning. We, in marketing, we went after mass markets. In customer service, we took orders. We basically followed uh, traditional methods that were practiced by virtually everyone. So we were in the herd mentality. And again, nothing wrong with that if that's what you want to be. But for me, um, I wasn't happy with that. And, and I recognized that, that that was a leadership issue, that it would take certain kinds of leadership and drama, if you want to call it that, to, to break out of that mold and do some, some, some crazy things that would, would excite people and lead us to new end games. And so my goal uh, fairly early on, Ian, was, was to try and figure out a way to inject some juice into the way things were being done, uh, to do things that dramatically improve the strategic position of the organization, to do things that captured the hearts of people and excited them and, and made them passionate about what we were doing, not just following orders, but, but to be all in emotionally 
and that finally improved the performance of the organization at a time when, when we were going through some pretty dramatic, unpredictable change. So I wanted to learn how to break away because I didn't believe traditional leadership practices, at least for me, weren't doing it. So a lot of other people, they were okay. And again, I say, this is not a castigation of traditional leadership. What it is, is my own journey to break away from that because I felt I had to. So Audacious, if you want to look at it, if, when I look at it, was born, in me at least, from this need to pivot from the way things were done around here to find a new path, to find new exciting ways of, of doing things that, that, that basically were unheard of. Uh, and we're going to talk later about some of the implications of that. But I had a platform then that, that sort of synthesized itself, Ian, um, that, that said basically audacious needs saw these sorts of basic themes. It's practical, not theoretical. It's execution, not planning. It's customers, not products. It's serving, not selling. It's individuals, not crowds. It's serving around, not managing around. And it's focusing on the front line and not the board. So if you break it down, that's the platform that grew out of, out of my, unsettled, <laughs> my unsettled feelings about the way the organization was being run very early on in, in my career. And, and it sort of guided me in terms of what I did as an aspiring leader and eventually as an executive leader and chief marketing officer and president. Fascinating. It, it really resonates. I, I had the privilege, and you know this, Roy, of working for Apple, uh, 84 to 94. And uh, for some of the time, Steve Jobs was the leader. And uh, certainly you and Steve would share a lot of commonality with, with your philosophy, with your style, with thinking different, being different, moving from the logical side of the brain to the feeling side of the brain where that buy-in and commitment is really driven. Um, I could, this fascinates me. I could talk and listen to you for, for hours on this. But as a leader, what were some of the audacious things you personally did? Sure, our listeners would love to know about this. Well, the first thing I'm going to say is, Ian, and you would be disappointed in me if I didn't, is my ebook is coming out February the 1st, and uh, all the audacious stuff is in it. The print version is coming out on May the 31st and indeed will contain the same audacious stuff. So, uh, but having said that, I will give you a, and, the, and, and the listener just a, a sample of a couple of things that, that you can read and they can read more about in, in the book. One of the things that really resonated with people is in the business planning sort of context is what I, what I call the only statement. Now, I created this out of a need to find a way to define competitive advantage without using such meaningless words as better, best, number one, market leader, etc., which, as you know, are, are very imprecise ways of defining what an organization's competitive advantage is and, in fact, why people should buy from a particular organization and not another. So I came up with this notion, which I, I tagged the only statement, and it's really simple. It says, we're the only ones that, and you have to fill in the blanks, 
what it does is crystallize the thinking of an organization in terms of how they can stand apart from their competition in a way that is meaningful and relevant to their customers. It's a tremendously valuable tool. I've had a lot of success with it personally. And by the way, you can apply it to your career too. It doesn't have to be just an organizational statement. In fact, Audacious uh, goes into how I use uh, the only statement in, in, in a career development sense, and it's been very, very, very successful. So that's one, I would say, one, one aspect, uh, one audacious thing that I created that is, has turned out to be very, very, very valuable to people, and I would suggest that they spend some time thinking about it. It's hard work. But there's a couple of other fun things that I did that, that certainly caught the attention of my executive colleagues. Uh, one was, and I call it Cut the Crap. It Cut the Crap is a program um, intended to eliminate projects and activities that really are no longer relevant to our strategy. And for anybody that thinks that they don't have crap in their organization, clearly doesn't understand their organization. It's the stuff that keeps getting done, irrespective of what the strategy is. It's crap. And and the problem with that, as long as you're spending money on on quote, non-strategic activities, which some people want to call it, and I say, no, it's crap. <laughs> as long as you're spending money on that, you don't have any money available to allocate to new relevant stuff. So the Cut the Crap program is exceedingly strategic. I implemented, and I have Cut the Crap contests where we would actually pay people who actually cut most of the crap out of their organization. So... That would be second one. The third one, which I'll mention, because my gaudy and I could go on and on and on in this, is actually, it, I would call it a, a do-it-yourself leadership piece, where I integrated micromanagement into leadership job responsibilities. Now, before the listeners go crazy, because they've been taught that we shouldn't micromanage, <laughs> I say that's hogwash. Great, audacious leaders know when to micromanage know when to um, put their fingerprints on what is going on in the organization, know when delegation should not be allowed because there are times when delegation is abdication. And I've seen it time and time again. I'm an advocate of, of what I would call targeted micromanagement. And that's discussed in a do-it-yourself leadership piece in the book. Introduce that at first, you know, a lot of people looked at that and said, well, wait a minute, the books say we shouldn't micromanage. And I said, well, first of all, you're reading too much. You need to put it down and you need to think about, like, let me give you an example. Um, architecting how the customer is treated in what I would call a moment of truth is not something you delegate to a frontline leader. The executive, the audacious leader needs to define precisely what that transaction has to look like. So they get the right end, end result. Well, I mean, I got to tell you, we'll talk about this later, but that was met with one hell of a lot of acrimony and, and unwillingness to, to change. But eventually we kept, kept, kept banging away at it. So those are three, I could go on, but those are three um, specific examples that stick out to me as being particularly different than what most people did. Oh, I got one more. It's called uh, the Dumb Rules Contest. Right, so I had I had contests where where we paid people to get rid of rules and policies the customer hated and threatened their loyalty. I called them dumb rules. 
uh, people didn't like the name like crap. They didn't like the name dumb rules either, but we got through that where we would have frontline competitions for people who could identify the stupidest policies we had in the organization that customers absolutely hated <laughs> and decided to leave us. We are, they're leaning to leave. And I'm thinking, well, okay, strategically, we got to, we got to fix those. So dumb rules, cut the crap. Yes. It's important to micromanage. Um, those were an example of a couple of things that, that I introduced, but listen, there's, there's many more that I outline in the book and I really hope people read it. That's fantastic. And, and it, it was great that you mixed in some humor uh, with with the, with the strategy, Roy, which uh, is another way to get to the feeling side of the brain, not just the logical side of the brain. I, I'm sure many leaders are going, okay, I want to be audacious. I want to follow Roy's blueprint. I want to get my hands on a book so I can, you know, so I can get myself ready for this transition. Maybe, and this question would be, I think, helpful for those who are thinking that way. What are some of the challenges someone faces if they want to be an audacious leader like yourself? Yeah. Well, first of all, fatigue. <laughs> I'm going to give you five ob obstacles that, that smack me in the side of the head when I think about my journey. And one is fatigue. Um, it's a long process. It, it's, it's, it's consuming emotionally um, to do this. Okay. So is somebody that isn't willing to put in the time uh, isn't willing to cash in their emotional energy credits should forget it because this isn't something that can be formularized and implemented in a week and a half. So fatigue is huge. The second one that's sort of related to that is what I would call pain tolerance. You, you just have to have a high pain tolerance because there's just tons of pushback and undermining by what I would call custodians of the past, people that do not want to change, people want to hold on to the past. So they're not just going to push back on you. They're going to undermine you any, any chance they, they, they get. So you need to have high tolerance for pain. And at the same time, in the face of pain, you need to relentlessly push forward. That would be my second point. Third point is, is kind of an interesting one. And, and that is, if you want to be audacious, you need to have credibility with the frontline people. And the reason for that is they execute. And if they don't believe in you, you're done. Okay. So, I mean, I knew a lot of leaders that spent zero time with the frontline and, uh, and it showed and the results in that. For me, every week I spent calendar time with the frontline, dropping in, got to know them. They got to know me on a, on a Roy first name basis. They trusted me. They knew that if I uh, promised them something, I would follow through with it. And as a result, the performance of the organization, Ian, was crazy. I mean, it was so simple. Talk to the front line, get their credibility would be the third point. The fourth point is, is really somewhat related, but it's, it's, you need to get gen internal support for your crazy nonconformist ideas, <laughs> if, I can, if I can put it that, that way. You just have to find those those people in the organization that got you, that get what you're trying to do and are willing to support you. Like I had a hell of a time selling the cut the crap initiative to executive leaders. First of all, because of the use of language, they would prefer me to have, have used non-strategic instead of crap. 
And I said, no, it's crap. And that's what we're going to do. And employees love the word cut the crap because they know exactly what it means. And the second thing is the admission that we were doing things that were off strategy. They didn't want to believe that we were doing some inappropriate things. And for those two reasons, language and off strategy admission, people, um, people were having a hard time uh, buying, buying in to cut the crap. Uh, but it's nevertheless was, was super important. So kind of related to the first one, first point, it just, you had to keep, I just had to keep um, my energy level up. It was fatiguing trying to, to get internal support. But I learned that once I got a nucleus of, of supporters, that that nucleus could be grown. And that's what happened because they infected quote unquote others who infected others who infected others in terms of the worth of crazy, these crazy nonconformist ideas. Um, and so that was important. And the last piece I have to mention is, I mean, as a major source of, 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 of an issue to, to actually doing this, I would call compliance inertia. Now, people generally don't like to change, uh, and they're comfortable with things that are, are being done, even though they may be completely dysfunctional. But people love dysfunction because it's comfortable. And to try and break that into making them feel that, that compliance was, uh, was, was something that needed to change uh, is a very difficult task. But it has to be done. And so, you know, you gotta, you got to overcome fatigue. you got to have a high tolerance for pain. you got to have respect and credibility from the front line. you got to get internal support. Start small. Build the nucleus grow that support, and finally figure out a way uh, over time to, to deal with, with inertia for people that want to comply because the basis of audaciousness is noncompliance. We get that, right? We know what that is. You want to be audacious, you cannot comply. Now, I don't mean breaking the law. I just mean breaking away from the traditional stuff that simply doesn't work. It's so well said, Roy. It, it's it's got, uh, you know, it's got that, that flavor of um, someone that wants to do it different, that wants to make a difference, and throw out the old rule book and, and, and get involved, become viral, the positive new edge and, and strategy in, in the face of all of the, you know, the, the thinking stuff, the stuff that everyone's been doing for all those years prior. So you, you painted a great picture for you know, potential speed bumps on that road to audaciousness. Um, how long is the road? So how long does it take to become audacious? <laughs> so I'm laughing because I, it, it really never ends and it, it doesn't have an end point. It, like I, the simple answer is it takes forever. I, mean, I, don't, I don't believe that anyone can ever claim to be completely audacious because every time you turn around, Ian, and you know this, there's always new challenges that are gifted, and I use the word gifted very purposely, uh, gifted to the leader uh, by unexpected events and fluctuations in performance. And so we are always going to be tested in our uh, ability to be audacious um, by the environment that we're in. New competitors coming in, different competitive actions a new political client, new climate, new rules and procedures, et cetera, uh, that are hitting. So, I mean, we, we need to have this thing in mind and be okay with the fact that audaciousness is a journey. 
it is not a destination. And if we believe that this is something, and this is one of the problems I have with the universities, by the way, they teach you that there's always an end point. Well, guess what? In, in this journey, there is none. Now, there are degrees of success, but there isn't an end point. Because to admit that there's an end point would say that we're never going to have any changes anymore. And we're okay with this, this, this hand that we're playing, and we'll never have to deal another hand. Well, we know that that's insane. It's insanity. It's insane thinking. And so we just have to be okay with the fact that we're going to keep, keep pushing forward. Plus, the other thing I will say to you, is if once we believe there's an end point, I mean, it's almost like the way we were taught at school. Once we believe there's an end point uh, and we think we've reached it, what happens to our motivation? It goes. Well, in other mm-hmm. words, we have no energy or motivation to keep moving forward. So audaciousness is a, is a journey. Uh, and, and we just have to be okay with that. And, and for me, um, I was okay with that because I got such tremendous feedback along the way. I mean, every road sign I saw on this, this journey, Ian, was wonderful. Wonderful feedback that said, hey, Roy, this stuff is working. Or, hey, Roy, this isn't working, but here's what we can do to fix it, blah, 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 blah. So there's plenty of opportunity to get amazing feedback in this journey of audaciousness. If only people would start. I guess the last thing I would mention here is, is it's all about baby steps. There's no silver bullets. Um, there's no magic formula that can be, can be uh, put into place that, that takes you from where you are to being, quote, sort of audacious. I say not 100%, but sort of. Um, it's, it's really about doing, I would call them nan- get nano inches of, prog- of progress. Uh, and, and being okay with that, um, because uh, unfortunately there are no magics here. There's no hail marys. It's just tough work. Um, but and, but you need to you need to be okay with that. And and I think one of the things that that bothers me is that our formal education teaches us that there are endpoints, and for some things that makes sense. But in a business sense, in an organizational sense. With the kind of world we live in, it's it's kind of misleading, and I, I I hope people get that, and simply say, okay, here's my here's my number one audacious goalpost. When I get there, I'm going to put another one in, and in another one, and in another one, and in another one, and maybe I'll look back in 25 or 30 years, Ian, and say, well, you know what? Um, yeah, I was sort of audacious. I wish I had done more, but, you know, I'm happy with my progress. Well, well said. I, lots of analogies are coming to mind. One is you're not looking for the end zone. You're looking for first downs. Continually move the ball down the field in an audacious way. Uh, audacious also is a mindset. It's not, uh, I like how you said, it's a journey, not a destination, Roy. It's, it's, it's thinking, and part of that thinking uh, if you want to call it rebel-like, it's a mindset. And so why would you stop being audacious? <laughs> it's got to be, it becomes part of the DNA of a, of a leader and a company and a team that continually are looking for that. And, he, and even, as you said, the feedback allows you to plan other and new creative things because the world is changing. Customers are changing. Competitors are changing. Politics, rules, healthcare, they're change. If we don't like change, we're in trouble on so many levels. So, I love that it's a work in progress and it's a mindset. Um, 
So really, the, what you've put together, Roy, in my opinion, is uh, a playbook to becoming audacious. And uh, for the listeners out there today, I, I'm going to make you a great offer. This is something I had to arm twist a little bit with Roy, and he's agreed to it. He's such a generous man. It's called, it's called the Pay It Audacious Forward Offer. To win a free signed copy of Roy's book, Be Different or Be Dead, you need to buy one for a leader you know for them and send it to them. Now, Roy will facilitate all the logistics. The other ask on this offer is to share this podcast post on LinkedIn with your, with your contacts so that we can spread the word, uh, the audacious word that, that Roy's bringing to the table. So, Roy, I, first of all, I want to thank you for the generous offer. I'm sure there's many listeners who are raising their hand. What's the, what do they do first, Roy, to take you up on this very generous offer? Yeah, well, it's pretty uh, pretty straightforward. I think it's uh, you need to uh, people need to email me at roy.osing at gmail.com and uh, just uh, give me their intention and ask for um, a couple of copies of the books book, uh, which I will uh, I will accommodate. Uh, we'll we'll figure out the payment. Uh, of the of the paid for book uh, on an individual basis because I know some people that want to do things one way, other people want to do another way, and then uh, and then I'll just uh, make sure that uh, I get the I get the books to the individual. So it all begins with just just give me your your intention by email and and we'll go from there. We won't try and make it you know terribly uh, complicated. Uh, keep it pretty simple and. Um, and and that sort of that sort of reminds me of one last piece, Ian, that I would like to to table here because we didn't include it in our initial conversation. But it it it, it occurred to me that that sort of as a follow up to to the question, um, how long does it take to be audacious? It, it was a question that you and I were throwing around very early in our conversation. It was like kind of what what advice could could would I give to somebody who wants to take this journey? And there's some points in here that relate to what we just discussed that I think are just kind of, and what you said around um, feelings and so forth. So if you don't mind, I'll just kind of like um, give you a couple of off the cuffs around what would I advise people to do? Because it does relate so well to, to my content and so forth, if you don't mind. Please and do, Roy. More, <laughs> more nuggets for the listeners. I love it. Yeah, so, so five points. First of all, you know, in order to do this, in order to, to counteract fatigue, in order to relent, relentlessly push forward, people, you really have to believe deep down that being different and standing out in the crowd is a way to succeed. It's, it's the theme of my entire work, including Audacious, is that this filter that, that you use to ask yourself, how can I do this differently, is so important. If you not, do not believe that being different is important to success, you'll never be audacious. That would be point number one. Secondly, you've got to take your passion temperature. It has to be way north of 98.6. I mean, if you're not running a temperature, if you're not running a temperature, a high temperature, a fever, right, to be kind of silly, a fever for audaciousness, then um, it's probably not going to work for you because of the amount of emotional energy that's required to move things forward. The third thing I would say 
is that even though we've been taught uh, opposite, you have to cast away the notion that your academic pedigree will make you audacious. It won't. Audaciousness, as we've discussed, is not an intellectual journey. It's an emotional one. It's the right side of the brain. It's fire in the gut. That's what makes you audacious, irrespective of whether you have an MBA or not. You got to get you got to get real with yourself. If that academic pedigree ain't gonna ain't gonna make it. The fourth thing is you just simply have to be okay with putting yourself at personal risk. If you're not prepared, if you're risk averse, this won't work for you. You always are going to be on the edge. You're always going to be watching and fighting your backside for people that are, are trying to, the custodians of the past, who are going to be trying to undermine you. You have to be okay with personal risk. And I guess the last thing, which kind of talks to our last uh, snippet of conversation, Ian, is about change, is, is you need to be really unsettled with the status quo. You need to be unsettled. You need, be, you need to have creepy crawlies when things aren't changing, Right? Like, if things aren't changing, if people aren't trying different things, then you need to be uncomfortable with that. Because if you're comfortable with that, then you're not on the audacious journey. So I hope, Ian, that that's a little bit of a, a takeaway for people, a kind of like filter for, you know, the, the sorts of things that um, uh, as, as pieces of advice that they may want to take into account when they assess whether this is a journey that, that, that is worth taking for them or not. That's so well said, Roy, and wonderful that you put that content into the book itself. So here's how to do it. Here's what to watch out for. Here's the mindset you're going to need and advice for sticking to it. I, I, th this book, I can't wait to get my hands on my signed copy uh, as I'm buying one for a leader that I know. I'm t I'll be your first one to take you up on your offer. Again, the Pay It Audacious Forward offer. So when a free signed copy of Roy's book, Be Different or Be Dead, you need to buy one for a leader you know that would like to get on the audacious leadership journey and share this LinkedIn post with your contacts. Roy, I, so, I want to take you know, this opportunity on behalf of all of our listeners and myself uh, to thank you so much for, for coming back on for your second episode uh, of the podcast. I want to thank you for that very much, Roy. You're very welcome, Ian. And the only last thing I would say to your listeners on the, on the pay audacious forward offer is what a great way for a leader, okay, to, to personally show uh, one of their favorites the journey that they intend to be on, uh, then give them a copy of the book. It's, it's a symbol of change, and I think it's a great way to, to actually declare that this is meaningful to you as a leader and you wanted to share that with, with somebody who's from a leadership point of view, very close to you. So I hope all your listeners take us up on this and, and let's get together and let's make this a, yeah, let's make it a cult. I'm okay with audaciousness as a cult because it's the right thing to do. Last word. That's fantastic, Roy. I love it. I love the spirit of it, of paying it forward audaciously. I, I really do. I want to be part of that cult with you, my friend. Once again, my, my special returning guest has been Roy Ozing, author of the book, Be Different or Be Dead. Thank you, Roy. And thank you for listening to Confessions of a Sales Pro. If you have found this episode informative and helpful, we would be honored and appreciative if you would share this podcast with other great salespeople like yourself. And we look forward to you joining us 
for all new episodes weekly, every Thursday. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. If you'd like us to help you grow your sales commissions, visit us at salesmentoryou.com. Confessions of a Sales Pro. Lessons. More wins. With Ian Selby.